Hello and thank you for joining my BIP chat with Matt Turner and today we're going to be talking about marketing, uh, a very critical subject, you know, how creative are you in your business, what sort of things are you doing and we're going to inspire you with some case studies and some knowledge that will, I hope will be really helpful to you. Um, let me just explain first of all a little bit about BIP and why we call it BIP chat. BIP stands for business is personal. And uh, Thomas and I that um, started working in 1998 in the world of supporting business owners have always believed that business is personal. Your personal life impacts your business, your business impacts your personal. And I also think that uh, we're in an age where emotional intelligence is becoming so critical to build trust and who you are and uh, is, is as important as the what you do. So in these chats, I really want you to get, get a feeling for the values and the attitudes and the mindset of the experts that we bring to you. Now, one of the things that I know as a business owner is finding suppliers can be really tough. You know, that you can Google something and find loads of people that can say they can do it. You can maybe reach into your network a little bit. Um, but finding people who have the what and the who bit, I think is really, really important vitally knowing that they have a good track record of credentials and really good values. And so by bringing great experts to you, we feel that we can shortcut some of the pain that you might have in looking for uh, people who are going to help you grow your business. So today, yep, the subject is marketing. And Matt Turner is the owner of Creative Pod. They're in their 18th year now. They have some of the most fantastic clients they work on a retainer basis with their clients. And Matt was just sharing with me that, you know, if you look at the 100% of his clients, 20% of them are startups, 60% are one to 20 million pound owner managed companies, 10% charity and 10% global blue chip. And we're going to talk about a couple of campaigns that got me really excited, actually, when we were talking about it. Um, one of the things that we love about Matt is also his incredible commitment to his philanthropy and the, the work that he does and the charities he supports and the, the charities he's patron in. So we're going to come to that as well. So here we are, Matt. Great to be talking to you. Thank you for your time. I think we've got about half an hour together, which is really exciting for me. Um, I've given a little bit of a top of the show thing, but let's start off with back in 2016, you started Creative Pod. 2006. 2006, I mean. Sorry, 18 years ago. 18 years ago, yeah. Just, I've just um, screwed up my own maths there. Um, <laughs> what was going on? How come you started that back then? How, that's a really good... I mean, I was 20, 21 at the time. Um, I'd left school at 16. I'd got... I'd had three jobs under my belt by then. Started as a T-boy. Worked my way up in a design... Predominantly design uh, business. Um, and you know what? I was just fed up of working for people who who I just wasn't aligned to you've got to remember back in 2006 the world was still semi-analog from a marketing perspective yeah. Google was very new we were still using Yahoo and Lycos and Alta Vista and um, I can remember at that very specific point sitting down with my then employer saying let's start a digital team and um, I was told it was just a fad uh, so I resigned and I literally, I started creative pod in my, my bedroom. I trained as a designer, be it albeit not a very good graphic designer. Um, but that's essentially how I started by doing design work, farming out the print, then marketing started to come into it. It was more than just the direct marketing and email marketing and things like that. The digital revolution really started from, from a comms perspective. 
and the litmus paper was lit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you really watched that whole journey. You have a great team that works for you. Something I I notice is you you are so. Then you've got a very good sized company. You have a lot of intimacy with your clients. You're very close to your clients, aren't you? That part, yeah. Is- important to you isn't it yeah definitely you know i think if anyone's ever considering hiring a marketing agency a lawyer accountant any sort of professional service how much they charge is actually almost irrelevant and the quality of their work they wouldn't be doing what they were doing for that period of time if the work wasn't good the the thing that you have to focus on is the relationship and if you've got a phenomenal relationship with your supplier who should actually effectively be a partner then you're you're going to be you're going to create really successful things together. And I always sort of say to our clients, all the time both of us are making money, we'll always be the best drinking buddies. Yeah. But when a campaign doesn't work or something doesn't happen like we thought it would, that's when the relationship and the value in the relationship really kind of comes into its own. And that's where that's where the magic happens. So yeah. we're super tight. Like we this year as part of our 18th celebration. We're doing a, an ultimate networking weekend where we're going to take about 100 clients to North Devon for a, um, a bit of an adventure, team building, good food, good wine, networking. Oh. Um, and we really encourage that, that kind of peer-to-peer networking because it's how you add value to your clients. Oh, absolutely. Amazing connections for one yeah. of them. That's, that's phenomenal. So, yeah, so whilst you've got this team and all these specialisations within it, I am really aware of how close you stay to each of the campaigns. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of that are really exciting, but what are things that are quite big? Um, and because you said, you know, 10% are global blue chip type companies, large companies. But I want you to, if you're listening to this, realise that Matt's got a lot that his company offers to startups and small businesses. Mm, and charities. And you all have to start somewhere. So please stick with us. Don't sort of think, oh, well, I'm not one of those. But I want to talk about it. because It's so fascinating from a campaign point of view. So you had the contract to sell 60,000 tickets for or get 60,000 tickets sold for the World Cup last year. Tell us a little bit about that campaign. Yeah, I mean, that was a partnership between Norwegian Cruise Line, the Rugby World Cup, and a, a, a company called Infinity Sports Travel, who are a, a sports travel broker, essentially. Um, and it was an amazing product, you know, five-star, all-inclusive uh, cruise ship based out of uh, out of Marseille uh, with lots of celebrity rugby players on board. And then it also included tickets to the game and then the boats sailed to Ibiza and Corsica and other places across the Med, Italy, and people paid for week-long stays plus rugby tickets, essentially. And it was a roaring success. It was a really good product. First time they'd ever done it. Um, and now they are looking at implementing and rolling that out to other sports, from football to Formula One, tennis. It's, um, yeah, it's really exciting. And it went really well. And actually, yeah. you, know, you told me the price. Was it around £2,500? Yeah, two and a half, three grand. yeah. That's quite a brilliant price. I mean, I yeah. know people might think, I think, goodness me, where do you get that money? But to, these, to people who are really committed to something... That's a really yeah. I mean, if you think if you price. can you can spend a thousand pound on a hotel and dinner in London yeah. and a show in London, you know. Gosh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So now what I'm excited about is the one coming up in November, because now if you're you're sort of you haven't started the campaign on it. So we're talking about this quite early on. But this is fantastic for the Formula One in Qatar. In Qatar. Oh, yeah. It's about that. Yeah. Very similar product, actually. Um 
but rather than being on a boat, you're in a hotel, um, and it's flights, accommodation, breakfast, a sport, uh, a sporting F1 legends lunch, um, and then you see practice, quali, the race, and then sort of an after party. And again, that's you know, I think two nine nine five ahead, something like that. Absolutely, um, flights. Yeah, so and flights included, hotel, the whole lot. So, Amazing. and you get some winter sun. Um, yeah. And because it's a corporate, you can put it through your books. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a corporate lunch, you know. It is, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so the reason I'm intrigued by these is because often, I mean, these are campaigns effectively. I know you're, yeah. you're on a retainer with large companies and everything, but these are the campaigns within those. Yeah. They're looking at how can we market something very exciting. And when you're doing that, what are the critical elements of your marketing that make those work? Is it priced correctly? You're right sometimes if something's too cheap people won't buy it because they think it's a scam so yeah there's a balance and a dichotomy between getting it too low or too high ironically the more expensive something is the better people perceive it to be and that obviously isn't always the case so price is critical then the product do people actually want that product does it work logistically um and is the product good enough for the price that you're selling um who's your audience you know, that's probably one of the most important things. Um, knowing who your audience is, knowing where they hang out, and then knowing how to hit them and reach them. And for as a just as a starting point, if you get those three things correct, the chances of your marketing being successful tenfold. You know, they are literally the principles. Um and I would I did a Institute of Marketing diploma. That was Kotler, wasn't it? Yeah. Kotler. They taught us those peas. The peas, yeah, yeah, yeah. the marketing peas. Yeah. We tend to use um for for a client. We tend to use uh, a methodology championed by the Chartered Institute of Marketing called the SOSTAT model, which yeah. basically takes a snapshot of where you are now, where you want to be, and then the journey to get yeah. to that yeah. end point. But I I always say to our clients, especially the new ones, marketing should always be painful. It should never be pleasurable. And I always relate it to kind of weightlifting. When you start weightlifting for the very first time, lifting 20 kilos is painful. And then a year later, you're lifting 100 kilos and it's just as painful. Yeah. And that's good. That's healthy. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, when we were talking about this show in advance, I was I, we were talking about how do you get to the right audience? And you're obviously using all the social media channels. You're using AdWords. But you also shared about Sky, and I didn't know this about my Sky box. Tell, tell, just share. About yeah, I mean, Sky have a product called Sky Ad Smart, and it's a bit like Google and Google Pay per Click, but it's television adverts. So all of the television adverts that you see on your uh, Sky uh, TV when you're watching it are tailored to you. So I, I always say to my wife, if she sees DFS ads, she knows I've had a bad quarter, and if she sees sophrology ads. We're, we're doing all right um and and also you're 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 now noticed so when we got back from the rugby world cup yeah we then started to get adverts for viking cruises and norwegian icelandic fjord cruises and disney so they're cruises pulling data in, just to remind me what we're pulling data in from so many sources it so means- many sources experian credit score uh some of your store cards credit card data um yeah uh and and then like obviously they can see the analytics behind what you watch yeah. so if you always watch football and no other sport then they, they kind of know you're a football fan um 
and they can see what teams you watch and what shows you watch and so on and so forth. It's um, it's clever. It's really, really clever. And marketing doesn't have to just... this. I think this is the one sort of misconception people have about marketing. It doesn't just have to be the sexy stuff. It doesn't have to be, I'm the front of shirt sponsor for Liverpool or whoever it may be. Some of my favourite marketing tactics are the old-fashioned ones. I've never, ever done a flyer drop for a client that's failed. Right. And it's a hundred pound, a thousand households through the front door. You know, never ever have I seen that fail. Um, if anyone's sponsoring something, whatever you've spent to sponsor that event, that awards, whatever, you need to spend fifty percent of that money again on activation, right? Making it come alive, making it commercial, so that you get a return on investment. Yeah. If you do sponsor something, you've got to sponsor for three years minimum. Yeah, because yeah. the first year fails and you learn all your mistakes. The second year you start to get it right. And then the third year you really kick it into gear. Yeah, it is a commitment, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, if we start looking at startups and the, these um, entrepreneurs that come to you and they say, I've got a bit of funding now and I haven't got my own marketing department and they get you on retainer so that you can work with them. Tell a little bit of how that works with you. Yeah, I mean, what we tend to do the first month, we onboard the client. So we take a snapshot of where they are now. We audit their business. We audit their competitors and tell them what their competitors are spending and what they're up to. Uh, we silo their different audiences and their data and the tone of voice and all that kind of things. We then set commercial targets and objectives. So we'll 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 hang our hat, you know, we'll put a stake in the ground and say that's what success looks like. And some of those targets and objectives will be somewhat fluffy marketing ones, like impressions and views and all those sort of stuff. And then there'll be some real hardcore numbers, retention, new business, existing business, cross-selling. And what's really important for any business owner to remember is that marketing and sales are two very, very different things. And in my eyes, I'm the person that makes the bullets and the client is the person that fires the gun. And sometimes I have to work out whether the client is a good or a bad aim. And then we have a conversation. So that's exactly how it works. And all I need to know is how the gun works. And we can work together. The more you communicate, the better the end product. Um, and marketing doesn't have to cost an absolute fortune. So once we've done that onboarding, we write a six-month strategy and a roadmap, and then we implement it. And you know, our retainer starts at about £1,500 a month a startup or a charity um and then can go up to 10 15k a month yeah so you know it's it's relative mm -hmm. and um it's bespoke and it's very targeted but oh people often ask me you know what differentiates you from all the other agencies that are out there and i would say the biggest thing is that we're honest mm -hmm. you know agencies have a tendency to have porky pigs and we're very straightforward. We're very honest. We say it how it is. If something's not working, we pull it. Yeah. Um, and and we're just straight with the client. So if you are a business that has a national reach, but you don't have a national budget, you can't kid yourself that you're not going to get a return on investment because it's like it's like putting a pipette of lime cordial in an Olympic-sized swimming pool and wondering why you can't taste it. So you, you're better off condensing that doing it locally, extrapolating it out, work out what works and what doesn't work, and then scale and grow from there rather than just going gung-ho, Gatling gun style, trying to hit everything. And actually, you kind of hit everything you don't want. Yeah, that's really good. I remember hearing that Deliveroo 
perfected their deliveries and their marketing on one street. I can imagine. And then uh, somewhere in London, South yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. And then they scaled it and scaled it. Yeah, and scaled yeah. It. No, no different to the McDonald's founders that chalked out the kitchen on a tennis court until, and they kept chalking it out and chalking it out until they stopped bumping into each other. <laughs> so they could be as efficient as they possibly could in the kitchen. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, marketing yeah. is a really... In- and the other thing about marketing is what works on Monday fails on Tuesday. And yeah. there's no rhyme or reason why that happens. Yeah. So yeah. the key is consistency. And I think for me, I, I see people really in two camps. Either they've flogged a dead horse, they've spent a fortune, and now marketing is something that is a bit of a sore subject with them. Or they did it for such a short amount of time they were expecting like going to the gym for one session and saying, well, I didn't lose any weight. So the gym's rubbish. It just takes time and effort and commitment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So really, I mean, if you were a, a startup, you need to say, look, can I put 15 grand or maybe even sort of 20 grand for the year aside, give it a really good shot. I like the fact that you do this, uh, this one month of onboarding because you're, I mean, it must be like coaching because the, the owner must learn so much about how they are actually firing and what, and this and the conversion on sales because sometimes marketing can be brilliant, but they've just got a major problem in how they convert. Yeah, 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 hundred percent, and that's really important because really also that onboarding piece is also clarity and sanity for the client that they now know we understand them. Yeah, yeah, appreciate because it. that's really important that you know, like for instance, we won't take a client on if we can't work out how they get paid. Um, we won't take a client on if if we don't re- we don't rate the the business or the product or the service because again, if we wouldn't buy it, I'm not sure I could get other people to buy it if I don't believe in it, if that makes sense. And when you're doing that, how uh, rough percentage, how many of them have real clarity about what their vision is and what they're selling and how to sell it and what their message is? 10%. 10%. That doesn't surprise me. You know, oh, we'll, we'll, we've had clients come to us and they said, we don't know what we sell. Yeah. Like, so, you know, we're not sure if it's a CRM system and we're not sure if we should call it a database or, and then when we tell them what we think it is, they go, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And we're like, no, but you don't know what it is. So some people actually do not know what to call their thing that yeah. they've invented or they've spent so much time surrounding themselves with what i call the three f's yeah that that they um that they are in denial so that's friends family and fools and and don't ask those people their your opinion because you won't get the answer that you need yeah 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 and do you use market researchers and things like that ever uh for the right clients we do um we actually internally we we have a, a telesales team um so we sometimes do appointment setting for clients as part of their marketing depending on what industry and sector they're in but we also use our telesales team to mystery shop our clients well, that's brilliant. because sometimes believe it or not you'll call a client switchboard and no one answers the phone and that could have been a 50 grand deal ringing up yeah. um and then we also use the telesales guys to do customer customer survey audits where they will anonymously speak to a you know a group of customers clients and then ask them you know seven or eight questions or whatever um and that insights piece 
is really, really important. Yeah, that's really good. Because when you were talking about the conversion of sales and we were talking about that, I was thinking, I know what I'm selling, but it's taken a long while for me to really understand what people are buying. Because, yeah. you know, for our products, which is service-driven product, for, you know, and many people listening might be offering services. Um, you know, I've got a list of features of what I think um, our BIPA members, yourself included, would be, mm. we're selling to you, we're, we've committed to you in your, but you will be buying something completely different to what I think I'm selling sometimes. Yeah, 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 it's 100%. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of the customer journey as well. Yeah. And and actually, when you look at other businesses, they they have tiers for their customers be like yeah many you know you have a gold card a platinum card a black card yeah um but they're still all part of the same community they're just on yeah. somewhat different levels or need different things yeah um it's part of that journey i think that's the exciting piece yeah it is it is yeah i mean so often we're buying an emotional we're buying on emotional reasons aren't we and actually you know what penny i think probably 85% of everything purchased on the planet has been influenced by a woman, actually, I think. You know, because even like, do you know what I mean? If it's not your mum, you ask your girlfriend, you lost one of the girls in the office, your sister, from cars to ties to, you know, you'll always ask a woman's opinion when you come to buy something. Well, as a man, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell me a bit about the philanthropy. I know that is really important to you in terms of the values within it. And you, you've done a number of different community-led things. I know you've bought a football club as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, so there's been lots of things you've done because you're very community-oriented, aren't you? So just give us an insight into that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always been at the heart of um, of kind of what, what we do. I guess because I started the business so young, Back then, young entrepreneurs weren't seen as cool. Mm -hmm. They were almost seen as annoying things. Um, so I was always kind of like aware that there needed to be like a yin to my yang. Mm -hmm. So on one side of the coin, you're really driven and capitalist and want to be successful and create amazing things. And yet on the other side, sometimes you can maybe forget where you started. So I would say over the last... Certainly over the last 15 years or so, we've probably donated the best part of a million pounds to charities across Sussex. Wow. Um, every year we probably support 10 to 12 charities um, from volunteering. to We sponsor probably 14 different charity, corporate charity balls. We always sponsor the drinks reception. Um, you know, I mentor six or seven entrepreneurs and, you know, and they've been on incredible journeys uh, and that's really, really important, that sort of philanthropic side, because I was given chances when I was young and people took risks on me and all the rest of it. And I think that's really important. Also, I'm a bit of a believer in karma as well. So I like to think the more good stuff I do, the less bad stuff will happen to me. No, uh, I'm not sure it works that way, but uh, it helps me sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and then that kind of like ethos, that then sort of, infiltrates the team as well so you create a really nice it then infiltrates your clients yeah so then they go off uh, go on and do really exciting things from a charitable perspective with their client base and all of a sudden my little eco environment in sussex is generating 
X amount of millions of pounds for charities because of the compounding of all of that activity going towards a, a self-focus of good. And for me, like, whether you support the local donkey sanctuary, the nursery, the hospice, whatever it is, philanthropy has to be done with complete and utter sincerity. And if you are doing it for tax reasons or you're doing it to clear up your misdemeanours, then that's not necessarily philanthropic. It's when you are literally doing it because it's the right thing to do. And, and I've certainly found in my career, the more philanthropic I've been, the more serendipitous life has been to me way, 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 way later on down the line. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I won a really big contract with um, a university quite recently. And um, they were looking for new agencies. And as part of their tendering and procurement process, the agencies were interviewed by students. Nice. I thought it was quite interesting. And when I asked why did why did we win it, they said that I was the only agency that at the end of the pitch turned around to the students and said, So have you got any questions for me? Like, how are you going to get your first job? Do you know, you know, what how are you going to get into the industry? Have you got this lined up? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And nobody else did that. So, you know, I think that just comes from naturally wanting to help, support, you know, and nurture people. I like seeing people start with nothing and then become something. And is that reflected in your roots a bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't born, you know, with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know, my, my dad was a Kurdish refugee in the 70s, you know, um we lived in a semi-detached three-bed house shared a bedroom with my brother you know um and 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 i think that kind of upbringing um i think it drives you to kind of want more i remember when i bought my first house i had my non-negotiables was a dishwasher an ensuite a downstairs toilet and if i stood in the hallway i didn't want to be able to touch both walls with both hands you know just because I've ne- I was the first person in my family to live in a detached house yeah. you know so I, I wasn't born for I didn't go to college I didn't go to university um so I took a slightly different after success but and did you know when you were at school that you were creative 100 yeah. like percent I, I knew like from the age of 14 I was doing work experience in London traveling on the train in my holidays working in a design agency as a t-boy um yeah, I, I knew from the age of 13, 14, I was going to be a graphic designer. But it, come, it comes across in all my conversations in the past and today that you're a problem solver. Because often people think you you can only be creative by being able to draw. or But, you know, being a problem solver is a, a creative. And it looks to me like you sort of love this diagnosis of a company and where they want to get to and what problems they have. and Why aren't they getting to where they want? What, mm. what, what have they currently been doing with their marketing? hundred percent uh problem solver slash therapist um (laughs) and sometimes it's really obvious you know someone's got a you know real conundrum and they can't see the wood for the trees you go have you just thought about doing it like this and the penny then starts to drop um i have said to a few clients in the past you know if this doesn't work sack me because i believe that strongly that it was the right thing to do. Um, only once have I been sacked for that, and it didn't work. So that's fair enough, you know. 
Um, yeah, that's sometimes good. I think you have to hang your hat on it and go for it. Yeah, that's it's really good. It's lovely. You've given us a hell of a lot of insights. It's very exciting talking to you. And what I love is how accessible you are. So how is it? So you've got the creative pod. So if they yeah. put creative pod, I'm sure that comes up pretty high up on your SEO. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're on LinkedIn. If anybody would love to contact um, Matt through Thomas or I, of course, contact us. Um, I know Bippers, our BIP members, will be really intrigued by what you've shared. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Matt. I don't know whether there's anything that we missed that we should have talked about. I feel that was a brilliant... I would. I, the one thing I would say to anybody, actually, when it comes to marketing, trust your gut. And often people you know, will be bamboozled by agencies. They'll be hood, hoodwinked by their internal staff. And very, very, very rarely is your gut wrong. Mm. So if you if there's something telling you, stick with it. Like, believe in that gut instinct, oh, yeah. regardless of any other information you're given, because very rarely is that gut instinct wrong. Yeah, and actually just, I know I was sort of coming to the end then, but when you said that, I think that is really important. I also imagine a lot of companies grow up from somebody starting quite junior as the company was small and then they've grown up and they've ended up in a marketing position that's probably a little bit too senior for them. And I suppose if you come in and work with that person, there's so much they can learn and you're not, yeah. it's not like you're coming in as a, a boss. We're not replacing them. They're not, you're actually We're supercharging them. To get better and better at their job, which I can imagine how many companies would need that sort of support for somebody who's grown up in an organisation. Mm. Marketing. Some of our clients, we've recruited their marketing department. Really, yeah. So you know, we've said, look, if you if we're going to go big and you want an internal team and an agency, well, if we help you recruit them, at least we're going to find people we know we can get on with and we can work yeah. with. So that's half the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I suppose trust. so many young people are being recruited for their digital skills, and just because you're young, you must be good at digital marketing. You know what, Penny? That's I know all the words to "man in the mirror," and I've never sold out the O2. <laughs> and that is young people in marketing. They know, know what buttons to push, but they don't know what it means from a commercial perspective. Yeah. And also some of the traditional marketing still works. Yes. <laughs> that will be digital. Yes, there's a reason there's a reason that works. And you yeah. don't have to spend a fortune. Yeah. That's what you do need to do is just leave a smile in the mind. You yeah. know, you don't need to spend a fortune on marketing to see yeah. results. Slow and steady wins the day. Yeah, yeah. And you're really invested in that from a commercial point of view, as well as, you know, wanting the reward of knowing you've succeeded with them. Because the, the more successful they are, the more the retainer is going to go up. Absolutely. And yeah. we all grow together. Yeah, and we all have fun together. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. I love the model. I love what you do. I love the thought of this Formula One November thing. So I think we should all look out for if you don't see it on Sky or, or in your social media. You've I'll got take my, my bit banner. <laughs> yeah, about what people what the algorithm is behind you if you're not seeing formula one um tickets in there when is that getting launched uh that'll be launched uh before march so mid-april uh mid-february that'll be more uh launched yeah fantastic well it's a leap year this year so something that as a special that's mine I'm only <laughs> are you? I've got a proper birthday. Brilliant. Congratulations. Oh. <laughs> so thank you so much, Matt. I absolutely love that. I hope you've really enjoyed it. I have. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, that's really kind. And I really appreciate if you've, if you've been listening into this, whether you're walking a dog, driving the car, or you've sat and watched us, we really value yeah. it. 
if you're still awake, let us know what you think. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Thank you so much. Matt. Thank you. Cheers, Penny.